we do congratulate Doug and Abby and, and of course we also think of Ben and Angie Modry, Abby's folks and John and Kathy Cooley, Doug's folks, but Jack Lee Cooley was born on Wednesday, eight pounds, 15 ounces, I believe. And so we welcome him to the world. And, and uh, just want to welcome you for fellowship after the service today. We'll have some goodies and fellowship. Um, this Wednesday, 10 o'clock, we'll have Touchpoint. Joyce and I will be sharing the topic will be Jesus, our healer. And we will study what God's word says about healing of our minds, emotions, and physical bodies. That's part of the redemptive work of Christ. Also, at 6 o'clock, there's um, kids, TCC kids. And then uh, also at 6 o'clock, there's the youth group on Wednesday. Thursday, the Zoom meetings have resumed with Pastor Dean. We say hi to Pastor Dean this morning again. He's looking forward to the day when he can be back worshiping with us. That's coming. Um, we will, next Sunday, we'll have the resume our fellowship meals. And Adon and Maria are going to be bringing us, preparing a meal for us next Sunday. And then also on Sunday, March 6th, we will be having the movie Sabina. We'll show a, a trailer for that here in just a moment. Wednesday, March 9 at 6.30, adult Bible class. Uh, that will be led by Scott and Cindy Davis. And so we're looking forward to that. Um, and then also another opportunity for teaching. It's the Fords. That's something the Truebridge churches are doing. And it's going to begin on Thursday, March 3rd. And it'll be dealing with um, teaching about Jehovah Witnesses and Mormon. Um, so those are things that are options. And for our giving, we have boxes in the back of the church on the wall where we receive our tithes and offerings. And uh, for those of you that are watching online, we, you know, I think by now probably most of you that box 67, 10 strike for mailing, and you can also go to our website for, for linking in there. But right now we're going to, are we ready with, the, with that trailer that we have? Last week, some mentioned it was hard to understand some of it. I watched the movie yesterday. We got the DVD of it, and uh, most of it is not like that. The portion that was on that trailer was a lot of heavy accent and stuff, but we also have the closed captions on here now, so it should be, should be better. So, but we're gonna show that, that now. On February 
and endure horrific torture for his refusal to renounce Christ. And in the midst of this suffering, he witnessed the incredible power of Christ's love. sincerely believe that they believe. Now I had to ask myself, did I believe in God? We are persecuted but not abandoned. So please do not abandon us. My wife Sabina had also been arrested. Sabina My son Mihai. Left orphan. Sabina would spend the next 18 months in a slave labor camp on the Danube. Sabina! Sabina! In these my darkest hours, my only hope was in prayer.
Iar te rogi? Ești împit! Băiatul tău nu mai are casă! Nevoastă ta e arestată! Viața ta e distrusă, mă, băiatule! Și tu te rogi în continuare la Dumnezeu la tău care nici măcar n-are chip! Pentru ce căcat te mai rogi, mă? Pentru ce te mai rogi tu acum? L-am pierdut. I hated the sin, but never the sinner. And some we even want to Christ. This movie, Sabina, is it's a prequel to Tortured for Christ, that movie, and, uh, and that book, of course. It, I watched it yesterday, and I must say, I was deeply impacted by it. Very deeply. Well, Dan, I'll have you come up and share Dan Woodward, thankful for our teachers here. Dan is a good teacher, and we'll have him share with us this morning. You know, it's hard to find. <laughs> Now they make me sound like I'm in a culvert, I tell you. <laughs> hard, hard life. <laughs> well, let's pray. Father, thank you. You know what we need. You're a good, good father. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask for clarity that I say the things I need to say and probably don't say the things I don't need to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this wouldn't be my very first choice of a topic. Um, we've delved a little bit into Matthew 24, but we're going to probably look at some of the misapplication of it. And that's where it gets a little bit touchy with some folks. Um, originally, we were going to talk about Psalms 22, 23, and 24, and how they come together. And, and you got the 
the suffering shepherd, the good shepherd, and the shepherd king. And it was when I was there, a lot of times that night I, I, I meditate on the word, like about three in the morning, I'll wake up and I'll just, instead of getting up, I'll just meditate. And I was thinking about the verse, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. Well, as we continue on with everything going around us, my thoughts kind of went to a comparison or parallel. Um, I started thinking about the things we have going on now and the things that I experienced and saw some interesting parallels or connections. And then I realized there was an error in my life. The error is probably what pushed me over to sharing this today. Um, last Sunday, uh, Ruth was with Aaron and the kids over and she kind of talked a little bit about, you know, growing up she was a little bit afraid of certain things. And I said, you know, I don't remember every, that ever being emphasized in our home. And she said, no, I said, I wonder if it was like the Left Behind series. And she said, I think it might have been. Then I got thinking about Mark, my son. He said, Dad, if I came home and no one was there, I thought the rapture happened. How many of you have done that? Anyone? Sure. <laughs> I had a good friend I graduated Bible school with. He had gotten married and his wife was going to make him waffles. And if you never made waffles before, it was a new waffle iron. And she had a disaster going in in the kitchen and she wanted to make him waffles to impress him. And uh, she got so frustrated that she decided she just shut the thing off and went in the closet because they had a small apartment and she was in there either crying or laughing, I don't know. But he, he said, I came into the kitchen and she was gone. And he said, oh, the rapture has happened, I know it. <laughs> he said, I, was, I went from singing Bill Gaither songs in my rocking chair to thinking I'd been left behind. You know, those things happen. And some of it, I really do feel, it, it was like a, um, how do you want to call it? In the body of Christ, there was a mana, prophecy was monetized, okay? Um, man, if you wanted to know the, the latest dope on what's going to happen, can't tell you on here, but send your money in and, and we'll send you a VCR. Um, Prophecy always brings a big crowd, you know. I know like towards the end at Strawberry Lake, uh, beautiful building, great speakers, but they couldn't get anyone to come unless it was a prophecy person. I won't mention who. But man, they filled that thing right up. So 60% of the evangelical church is very interested in prophecy. And I just completely shot my introduction, but... Anyways, um, Hebrews 12, 2 
says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to emphasize something here. That is, we need to look unto Jesus. If we look at Matthew 14, 29 through 30, we see Peter walking on the water. And he did really well until verse 30 where it says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. I like the King James in that because I like that wind boisterous. Some of us have been in boisterous winds, and it does. It's, it's frightening. Um, but he had to look back unto Jesus. And one verse I didn't write down, but after watching that, I think it kind of dovetails together as John 16, 33. Jesus said, These things I have written unto you, that in me you will have peace. In the world you will, not might, you will have tribulation, but be of good what? Cheer. cheer not be of good fear. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ is inside of you. You're in Jesus. You're more than a conqueror. This guy might have looked like he was taking a beating, but he came out probably a winner. Okay. With that being said, we're going to misapply Matthew 24, 1 through 8 for sure, because that's how I had heard it preached for so many years. Then we're going to try to correct it. As Jesus left and was going out of the temple complex, his disciples came up and called his, called his attention to the temple buildings. Then he replied to them, Don't you see all these things? I assure you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the, the disciples approached him privately and said, tell us, when all, tell us when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? This is where it starts getting scary. Then Jesus replied to them, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of birth pains. And if you get a good prophecy teacher, they always like to talk about birth pains. This is the beginning, you know. I've never had kids, but I was kind of around when we had them. But their birth pains just kind of start out as a little twitch, and then they got bad. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm not an expert in that area. But here's where I started focusing and thinking. 
Um, I was born again in about 1971. I'm not real sure exactly because I think I prayed the sinner's prayer for, I don't know, probably three or four months every night. No one told me, you know, so I figured, hey, it feels kind of good. I kind of sense God. 1972, you know, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the main doctrines that we talked about in my early Christian experience was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, casting out demons, and Jesus is coming back. Maybe I might have missed one, but oh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the 70s were, were kind of tumultuous, you know, kind of like today. Today is kind of tumultuous, but 70s were tumultuous. Um, and we'd get together in our little Bible studies and we'd sing, you know, Jesus is coming back, I know, could be any time of day, you know. The focus was on Jesus coming back. Um, so you'd get a book like Hal Lindsey's Great Lake, Planet Earth. How many of you read that? Anyone? Oh my goodness. So ignorant. <laughs> Probably a good thing. It was actually written by a tugboat captain that <laughs> delved into prophecy, but that was one of the books of the day. And um, so, you know, you, I don't be a good Christian, so I won't read that book, you know, get you all kind of scared. But basically, here's what happens when we focus on end time events without Jesus. These are just kind of the observations from my life. We start to look for the Antichrist. Um, there was a whole book in the 70s called, they figured Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. And I mean, this was a thick book, I read it. And what they did is they would fool around with his name and add numbers in there and he'd come up with 666. You know, <laughs> and you know, he could kind of fit the bill, but not really because basically when Nixon, when, when the Six Day War was going on with, uh, with Egypt and the surrounding allies there that they had, um, Nixon asked him what he should do and he said, well, let the Jews bleed. Actually, Henry Kissinger was Jewish, kind of weird. Um, but, I don't know why I'm even going into this. Uh, Nixon actually started sending them all kinds of armament and weaponry. Um, he said he could hear his mom telling him the stories when he was uh, just a little child out of the Bible. So we had Henry Kissinger as being the possible Antichrist. Moved on to maybe some guy out of Syria. I wasn't real sure, but if you sent your money in, the name might be divulged. So, what it came down to was we had this expectation of seeing the Antichrist. And I remember talking to one of my uncles who 
was interested in prophecy, and I said, what, how did you guys handle the Second World War? Because Hitler sure looked like the Antichrist. And, uh, you know, just it looked bad. The Jews were being exterminated. You think about it, I mean, if you were a Christian during the World, World War II, you would think everything was in place. And he said, well, Destafar, our grandfather, his grandfather said, Israel needs to be back in the land. We'll address that a little bit later. He said, can't be. But there's always been this idea that the Antichrist could be rising at any point. Then we came up with barcodes. Man, barcodes. All these prophecy teachers said, no, barcodes. You better be careful of them things because that's how the Antichrist can control your buying and selling. Then, about 86, in that area, we came up with digital currency. And Pat Robertson said, that's how the Antichrist is going to completely control your finances. Well, today they take digital currency. So there was all these things popping up. Oh, we had a computer over in Belgium, and guess what the name was? Does anyone know the name of the computer <laughs> back in the 80s that was in Belgium? The Beast. Oh, man, it fit perfect into prophecy because we have the false prophet, the Antichrist, and the beast. Hmm. We kept running into these things. This, one, this thing would pop up, this thing would pop up. So we were looking for the Antichrist more than we were probably looking for Jesus Christ. Some of us. Wars. Oh. We had Vietnam going on. And I was the... I was like 16, and I was like, oh, man. I registered a draft. I think I had to register for the draft when I was 17. Maybe 18, I don't know. I remember registering, thinking, wow. And Vietnam was one of these kind of wars that wasn't real popular, but people went, they fought. We were fighting China at one point. At one point. It just didn't look good. It was frustrating. Russia and China at that point, I remember sitting in school and my uh, world history teacher saying, more people have been killed on the Russian-China border this year than have been killed in Vietnam the whole time. Russia and China were kind of had this little secretive war going on. Um, via the Six Day War, that was like in 67, 68, um, with Israel. The Middle East was really erupting. We had a lot of small tensions, kingdom against kingdom. We had North and South, Israel, um, Ireland, um, just a bunch of stuff going all over. In fact, I remember hearing there were 70 hotspots in the world at that point. So there was a lot going on. And to make things even worse, we had this deal where our oil was getting cut off from OPEC. And uh, a little bit later, we actually experienced gas shortages in lions and rationing. 
And it sure looked like Russia or China might be going into the Middle East to capture this valuable resource. Well, that fit in perfectly with Ezekiel 38 and 39. So these things were kind of in the forefront. I was looking at this particular, uh, the Sabrina, the, the, tra the trailer there, and I was thinking about when we get together, it would be like, oh man, are you really willing to die for Jesus, you know? The question should have been, are you really willing to live for Jesus? But we had this concept. I don't know if everyone did, but man, I did. Families. Hey, a lot of you that are a little bit older don't remember this, but a lot of us were told, hey, you eat everything on your plate because there are children, people in... Where? China. <laughs> Ethiopia was also a hot spot where their people were starving. Um, Russia, believe it or not, had real resources, in, uh, had real trouble with resources and food. India was in, in tough shape. There was a lot going on at that point. In 76, we had a pretty big drought right around this area. There was that expectancy that we were going to see famines and that we'd seen them all around. Earthquakes, always a popular subject. Uh, Mount St. Helens completely blew its side off in, uh, I think, in the in like 80, maybe 79, 80, 81. I mean, that was, that was incredible. And the worry was, oh, what if the ring of fire takes off and we have all these earthquakes on the west coast and into Alaska and going around into Asia and back down through South America. It was perplexing. And of course, the prophecy teachers, they really got on that. And I'm not cutting down prophecy teachers, but sometimes I wish they would have studied a little more. Turkey had big earthquakes, a lot of people dying. There were volcanoes moving all around, the, all around the world. Surely this was the end times. But the coup de grace, the big one, was Israel became a nation in 1948. And anyone that had anything to do with prophecy said, in 40 years, Israel, our Jesus Christ would come back. So 1948 to what? That's 40 years. 88. So you're looking at this thing where Jesus is definitely coming back in 1988. And I don't know if any of you remember the book 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88. Anyone? Yeah. You date yourself. <laughs> Well, the guy that wrote this book was a NASA scientist. So, he had to be smart, right? He wasn't a theologian, but he was a NASA scientist. 
4.5 million books were sold, 300,000 were distributed, and even the, some of the guys I knew that were riding on the fence, I think of one in particular, he was riding on the fence, he was drinking on the weekends and carrying on, but when that 88 Reasons came out, he got off the fence and became an evangelist. True story. When Jesus didn't come back in 88, he went back up on the fence. Uh, Garden. <laughs> but that was the kind of impact these things had. Oh, you know, when Jesus didn't come back in 88, he moved it to 19, he said, 89. And that, when that didn't work out, he just says, hey, yeah. But prior to that, he said, if I'm not right, the Bible is wrong. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, we had a few problems. Overall, there was a general foreboding in the air, you know. Oh, let's go back to Israel. So, when Israel didn't become a nation in 1988, the next best shot was, well, I think they captured Israel, most of our Jerusalem, I mean, in 1967. Yeah, I think it was 67. So Jesus is coming back in the year 2007. Makes sense, right? So that was the new, that was kind of the new deal, you know, where Jack Bennett, you know, these guys would say, oh, Jesus is coming back in 2007. And we had some crazy stuff happening, you know, I mean, there was, uh, you know, in like 2008, we got a stock market totally blew out. Um, the year 2000, that was an illustrative, an illustrated uh, <laughs> picture of people's gullibility. 2000, the computers are all going to glitch out. You're not going to have lights. There's going to be chaos in the streets. You better buy food. And this wasn't just a little movement. This is big. Buy food and buy guns. So hallelujah. When them starving pagans want to get food, guess what you do? Yes, shoot. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I got another one of them. Ignorance. Honestly. Yeah, we had Watergate going on, Roe versus Wade. Uh, lots of stuff. I'm not following my notes very Anyways, um, so, oh, another one that was pretty cool. He's dead now, so I probably can talk about him. Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, Jesus People Movement. Anyone know who he is? Incredible man, love him. He told his congregants in 1986, 
Use contraceptives. Do not bring kids into this world. And he knows his Bible pretty good. Mm. There were people at this point, they would take and quit their jobs and probably a few of them get together. Remember, this was one of the stories that was like in the major newspapers. And they would all get together and they would run up everything on their credit cards. They would go on spending sprees, eating the best of the best. And her idea was, well, bless God, we got this inside information. Jesus is coming back on this day and we'll let the Antichrist pay our bill. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't happen. <laughs> so many things. You know, if you stop and think about it, some of the things I mentioned, you can see today. Ooh, don't want to get too political, but Jimmy Carter was president. Put it mildly, one of my friends said, I was a strong Democrat until that man got out of office, and then I, then I became a Republican. Was, he was a wonderful, wonderful man, but he wasn't a president. Screwed things up. Any correlation today? You decide. The only thing that I would say is at least back then, boys knew they were boys and girls knew they were girls. So we had that. Today, who knows? So much foolishness. So to try to get everything in, when we look at Matthew 24, put it in context, you actually have to start at Matthew 21. Triumphal entry of Jesus, the parables, and parables were to the Jewish people. One thing that I learned that saved me a lot of headache, heartache, and frustration was I did get to go to Bible school in 1974. And one of the teachers there, Mr. Bloomfield, prophecy said, when you are reading the scriptures, realize there's three groups of people that are being spoken to. There's the world, there is Israel, and there is the church. If you take Matthew 24, the majority of 1 through 35 is being spoken to Israel because they asked Jesus this question. Jesus, when will this temple be destroyed? And the, and the, and the uh, stones cast to the ground. That was the question. Okay? Jesus told them, when you see these signs, And then he goes on, I, I just, yeah, I want to try not to run late. When you see these signs, you see the abomination of desolation, 
Well, yeah. I feel like I just walked behind a manure spreader here. Uh, <laughs> step back. <clears throat> Basically, these signs, and he goes on to talk about, you know, if you're in the field and, 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 and you see these things happening, don't go back into Jerusalem. If, you know, don't even stop and get anything. Just get out of there. Um, paraphrasing big time. That specifically is, you know, through the majority of 1 through 35. It is talking to the Jewish people. And then, in verse 32, he says there's a parable. And um, I'm going to read it. He says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as the branches become tender and, sprout, and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. I assure you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That... C.S. Lewis said that's the most embarrassing book in our verse in the Bible or that, that section. He was probably an amillennialist and he thought it all should have happened right there and Jesus should have come back. Uh, been misinterpreted by a lot of evangelicals saying, well, when Israel becomes a nation, you know, got to be a generation. Two possible interpretations. One is that it is totally talking about the temple being destroyed. Titus, 70 AD, uh, was there with his father and um, Rome was in, just having all these problems. Nero had committed suicide, I believe it was Nero. There was a power struggle, his dad had to go back he left Titus instructions. There were like five major earthquakes at the time, big ones in that area. So Titus is in charge of this army. He's ready to lay siege to this particular, to Jerusalem. And um, he's getting a siege set up. The Christians, and uh, from what I understand, like from Josephus, and I think Ignis, uh well, anyways, Josephus for sure, um, said the Christian church actually walked out of there because of this teaching. I believe maybe in Luke. So the church was spared. They walked right out of this whole thing. Then the siege happened. Um, everyone in Jerusalem, was, it was a horrible siege. When it was over, Titus came in, set fire to the temple with logs from Mount Olive. The gold that was in there, kind of stupid because he could have just taken the gold, but somehow it caught on fire. Uh, melted, went in between the rocks, and they literally tore the stones off each other to get to the gold. So. The prophecy was actually fulfilled 
in that time. Okay? There's another, I mean, that's a strong interpretation. There's also an idea that when these things began to happen in the earth, the beginning of the tribulation, it will be done within a, a generation. The one thing about, see, we gotta get the rapture in here in two minutes or so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eight seconds on the bowl. <laughs> Anyways, um, interesting stuff. You want the rapture in three minutes? <laughs> Here's the deal. The rapture. It's imminent. What does that mean? It can happen anytime. Jesus didn't put any timelines or events that had to occur before it happened. Man did that. But the gospel's got to be preached around the world. You know what? There's a way around that. But we can't go into that right now. But gospel's probably has been preached. I remember Billy Graham saying, Jesus Christ could come tonight. Are you ready? He didn't say, these signs got to be fulfilled. Are you ready? The rapture is imminent. When we move on to, um, let's see, 36 through the rest of the chapter and the whole chapter of 25, Jesus said, now concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the, except the Father only. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah boarded the ark. And they didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. So this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. And then he talks about two men in the field. The one thing that seems to repeat is, oh, then as we move on to the other, the other parables, the emphasis is be ready because I'm coming at a time that you don't expect. Hmm. So... Let me back up a bit. In this world, you will have tribulation, right? The church expected Jesus Christ to come back anytime. The early church, they expected him. He is coming back. We don't know when. We may think we have a little sense of the season, but one thing that I would, that I think kind of glares, if you take some time and read these, these parables, he says, be ready, is that I think it's gonna be a time when things are going really good. Hmm. That kind of blows a lot of people off their prophecy horse. Um, I get a quick one other thing. 
I don't have to correct it. I'll give you my opinion. How's that? Um, as in the days of Noah, I know like Missler and some of these other people, oh, you know, that's that genetic stuff, you know, we're, we're going to have Nephilim again. No, I don't think so. Just my opinion. Because I've kind of gone down these paths enough times. You know, after you hear this stuff for 50 years, you're kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's going to be a time when things are really good because we don't expect this return. But it's coming back. Maranatha. And we can be excited. And this is the one thing I really, really want to emphasize to young people because I screwed up. Don't live afraid that Jesus Christ is coming back. I know that sounds strange, but have kids, find good jobs, possess and take the land. Because I think there was a whole generation that lost that. They were busy hiding in their basements, using their credit cards, pulling out of school, and you look at our schools, there's a mess. You look everywhere, there's a mess. The gospel is the salt. Let me reemphasize, I believe pre-trip, I believe in the imminent return of Christ, but I also believe, and this is one thing I do, how would you say it? I respect the people that are kingdom now because they're not hiding. They're going to the borders and they're stopping sex trafficking. They're going into the chop zone where it was and they're preaching the gospel, getting people delivered. They're not hiding. The rapture is not your salvation and death is not your salvation. Jesus Christ is your salvation. Yeah, that's just a fact. Continue to evangelize. Continue to get married and have kids. Continue on. Be the salt. Don't give up. Well, we didn't quite do it in three minutes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are so good. And Lord, no man has the answers. But you do. Father, we ask that if anything, this message I feel conveys to people is look to Jesus and don't give up, don't give an inch. Please burn that into our hearts. Hallelujah. Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your gifts, the gift of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, not here. You don't know how close I came not to doing this. <laughs> so it's watch and pray and be ready. And I really can identify with what Dan is saying there, what he was saying. Um, looking into Jesus is the thing that I gleaned from what you were you know, if you boil it all down there, it's looking unto him because he's the one. And, you know, be ready to watch and pray and be ready.
and getting that gospel out there. You know, Dan mentioned this gospel will be preached throughout the world. And uh, so that's what we need to be doing. Bring that gospel. Right here and wherever the Lord leads us. Amen. So that's what we'll continue to do. And continue to be totally engaged in society. Yeah. Because I was thinking one of the things I did was when I was building a barn, a little barn in my, in my house, that was actually a large one. I remember, well, I figured Jesus is coming back, so I don't need 25-year shingles. I just go with the 15s, you know? <laughs> that was a mistake, you know? And I never got around to building a garage there for a while because I figured, well, I better put my resources into some other stuff. Still don't have a garage, you know? But, um, the one thing, too, is, is I wanted my kids not to be so fascinated with this that they didn't move up and do things. Our young people, our kids, they have to go in and they have to take back the society. Or it's just going to get stinkier. You know? Amen. Jesus said you were a city set on a hill, or a light and a city set on a hill. And that's what we're yeah. to do while we're here. As long as we're here, we're those lights for people to see in the darkness because things are dark. There's a lot of darkness. But that's where we can be the lights and uh, bring that word, bring that gospel and by whatever means we can to the people. And, uh, but looking into Jesus and in our walk with Jesus, just that intimacy, that walk with him and his word, just staying close to him. Because we do remember, like Dan said a few times, the rapture is, what word did you use? Imminent. Imminent. Yeah. I'm going to have to look up that word. It's, it's actually a doctrine. It's a what? It's a doctrine. Okay. Imminent, the imminent return of Christ. Yeah. So, hallelujah. If anyone would like prayer, needs prayer, please be free to come forward here after the service and we'll have fellowship and share with one another here as we go. Some goodies. Thank you, Dan.